Get ready for the smartest bundle in streaming. Six streaming services for the intellectually curious. Featuring CuriosityStream with the best collection of documentary films and TV shows. Psalm TV and great stories from the world of wine. Taste made for the fun side of food and travel. Topic with the best thrillers and crime stories. And so much more. From nature to history, technology to food, mystery to adventure. Get six streaming services for one low price. And less than $6 a month, it's the best deal in streaming. Learn more and sign up now at smartbundle.com. I live in a small apartment located in a larger residence right by a very busy street. The lady who I live door to door with is a friendly older woman with an avid passion for gardening. She keeps a ton of potted plants on her balcony and all throughout her home. I've been over at her place a few times to chat and have lunch together, so I knew she would gladly help me out. She sure was surprised to have me knock on her door in the early morning hours and ask if she had any laurel plants. Still, she scurried off into her living room and returned with a greenery sprouting twig, which she handed to me with a friendly smile. I thanked her and told her I would explain my strange request someday, when I would find the time. Before I got on my way to the park, I took out my cell phone and dialed my manager's number. He had given it out to us for emergencies only, but I guess under the given circumstances, I could allow myself a tiny bit of misconduct. Dale picked up almost immediately. What happened? He asked straight away, his tone surly and annoyed. Nothing. Listen, Dale, we need to talk. We do, do we? He muttered after a long sigh. About what? He then asked. I have some questions about the pretenders. There are just some things I need to know. I have to... My voice trailed off. Please, I added sternly. Don't tell me you've been running around behind my back playing detective or some crap. He responded in a low, slightly menacing tone. No, of course not, I stammered, trying to sound confident. Who, who do you think I am? What? Dale sounded a bit confused, but caught himself rather quickly. Leia, how many times do I have to tell you not to interfere with other people's business? He hissed, but I could sense a hint of desperation in his disgruntled voice. Why can't you just do your job and let me do mine? I don't want to interfere with your job in any way. It's just that I've been feeling sort of creeped out lately. It all came crashing down on me one day recently that I don't actually know where the pretenders come from and what they are. Like, reality check, you know? I only want to know a few things so that I can feel safe working here again, I explained, hoping I had sounded emotional enough for him to believe my excuses. A long pause followed, so long, in fact, that I already started wondering if he had hung up on me, before he finally answered. Okay, fine. I'll meet you in my office today, 4 p.m. Do not be late. That doesn't mean I'll tell you what you want to know, but we are going to have a talk. That's all I can and will do for you. Will you leave me alone from then on? Sure, I lied fiddling excitedly with the laurel twig. Why do I have a feeling you won't? Dale pondered before giving one final sigh and adding, Four in the afternoon. My office. See you there. With that, he ended the call. When I arrived at the park, Darius was waiting for me by the employee entrance. Hi there, he greeted me sleepily before letting out a yawn. 
and nodding at the twig in my hand, adding, What's that about? It's Laurel, I said curtly. Oh, like because of the diva? I nodded, and the two of us stepped inside, heading for Mr. Scratch's repurposed cage. The nurse was standing inside as if she had not moved at all during our absence. She was staring blankly into the distance as we approached. I placed the laurel twig on the ground before pulling the key to the cage out of my pocket, only to halt mid-motion. Hey, let's show her the key, see if she reacts in any way. Okay, sure, Darius replied, fumbling for the small object before producing it from within his jacket and holding it out for the nurse to see. The not actor continued to voidly gaze past us, not paying any attention to the key. Darius cleared his throat. Hey, uh, remember how you shoved this down my throat? He asked more jokingly than serious, and I rolled my eyes. Finally, he put away the key and turned back to me. You gonna let her out now? I nodded affirmatively and stepped forward to unlock the door. The pretender didn't budge. Her eyes were as glazed and empty as always. Darius swallowed audibly as he inched closer to her, reached out and carefully placed his hands on her shoulders. The moment his palms made contact with her body, a low, guttural groan erupted from her throat. He slowly, ever so slowly, pulled her out of the shelter. Huh? he uttered. She seems to be all normal again. Still on high alert, I picked up my laurel twig once again. Darius and I exchanged concerned glances as he stepped back from the pretender. Once we had both calmed down a bit, I went to get the sock puppet. My colleague watched me feed and pet him, and when he had settled back down in his shelter, Darius and I took a seat on the bench nearby to talk and watch over the nurse who was still standing right beside the funhouse, where her handler had walked her over to. I admit, we wasted a lot of time chatting and pretending all was well. It was nice not having to worry about the mystery of the park for once, but come 3 p.m., I remembered my appointment with Dale. Time to get serious. I told Darius about my exchange with Joshua the previous day, and what I had found out. I also informed him of my impending meeting with the manager, and then asked him to lend me the nurse's key, which he willingly handed to me. I can't believe he'll actually talk to you about the park. Does he know we've been snooping around? He inquired. Of course not. Well... I do think he has a feeling, but I i might have caught on to some of the old stuff around here. I believe he only sees me as a curious employee, though, and I'm certain he doesn't know anything about the key. I gave Darius a reassuring smile. I'm taking it because it might fit into something inside of his office. I mean, I doubt I'll get the chance to try it, but who knows? My colleague nodded sternly. Best of luck, then. He muttered with a frown. Don't, you know, tell on us. Watch what you say. While this might have sounded like a threat coming from anybody else, Darius's tone was genuinely concerned. Don't worry, I will, I assured him before sending out for the Hollywood section. There was one more thing I had to do before meeting with Dale. I found the aged diva sitting on a bench on the main plaza. She was staring up at the sky absentmindedly, and almost seemed startled when I sat down beside her. Without saying a word, I pulled out the laurel twig and handed it to her. 
She took it with her slender, wrinkly fingers and regarded it silently. Is this what you wanted to tell us? I asked softly. She didn't respond. Her sudden quiet attitude reminded me a lot of the nurse. She looked up at me with a blank expression before her lips began to curl into a wide smile. Why, hello there, dearie. I didn't see you coming, she said. Is this place cursed? I whispered. You wrote down the word Laurel for us when Oliver and I talked to you yesterday. At first I thought it was your name, but then I found out that Laurel, as in bay leaves, can be used to cleanse a place of negativity or to break a curse. Is that what you wanted to tell us? Does the park need cleansing? The elderly woman stared at me for a few seconds before suddenly tightening her grip on the delicate, helpless laurel twig and snapping it in half. My jaw dropped as she took both pieces and began breaking them down into smaller and smaller ones, crushing the bright green leaves in the process. She was mumbling something under her breath, her voice steadily growing louder and louder until it rose to a scream. That ugly, misshapen brat. That ugly, misshapen brat. That ugly, misshapen brat. That ugly, misshapen brat. With that, she hurled the tiny pieces of the laurel twig in her hand, away from her with all her might. I watched as they flew through the air and hit the ground a small distance ahead of us. The diva then let out a low gurgle as the corners of her eyes began to droop and her skin started to melt. I didn't stick around to wait for the explosion. When I arrived at Dale's office, I found the door to be open just a crack. I decided to knock anyways. Dale, it's Leia, I called out. You said we could talk? Come on in. My manager's voice came from inside. I nudged open the door and entered the small room. Dale was sitting at his table, or rather slouching. While I had never thought of him as much of a lively person, he somehow managed to look even more under the weather than usual. Dale is a shorter, slightly overweight guy with greasy, sand-blonde hair. I have never seen him clean-shaven, and there are always dark bags under his brown eyes. He usually wears long-sleeved shirts and cargo pants, both of which normally way too baggy to be flattering in any way. Hello, he slurred. Have a... have a seat, he pointed at the chair across from him. I frowned. Um... Are you drunk? I inquired. I didn't really need an answer, though. Seeing as when I approached him and sat down, I spotted the two bottles of whiskey on his desk, one of which had already been emptied halfway. A little bit, he admitted, covering his mouth to suppress a hiccup. Should I come back another time when you're more... sober, maybe? I offered. No, no, you stay right here. You wanted to... Uh, to ask... Me a couple things, right? He inquired, seemingly straining himself to appear focused. Yes, if you don't mind. Still a bit uncertain, I straightened up in my chair and cleared my throat. But first off, I'd like to know why you're drunk at four in the afternoon. Dale looked up at me with bleak eyes. Is that really so surprising to you? This is... This is what you truly see me as, isn't it? I'm the asshole boss who sits in his ivory tower sipping champagne while you and your friends work your asses off. That's whiskey you're having there, though, I remarked. What? 
That was a figure of speech. Well, it doesn't matter what it is. What matters is that you don't know crap about me, Missy. You think... His voice trailed off and he frowned, as if he had forgotten what he had been about to say. You think I'm the bad guy, but you don't know anything, he finally added. It was hard to take him serious. Look, Dale, I don't think you're the bad guy, but you have never given me any reason to trust you. All I want is to know whether this place... Screw this place, Dale interrupted. To hell with it. I know you've been going behind my back trying to find out where the pretenders come from. Don't play dumb with me, he called out. I'm not some... Some... His voice trailed off and he fumbled for words. I just don't fall for it. It doesn't work on me. He leaned over to me across the table, close enough for me to smell the stench of alcohol in his breath. You know why I don't care, though? Because you'll never, ever find out the whole truth. So you admit that you're keeping information from your employees, I inferred. Dale added a high-pitched laugh. Oh, oh, you are cute. Information. He lost himself in a fit of giggles. Seriously, though, you think you know something about what's going on here? You don't. You're barely scraping the tip of the iceberg. This thing. This whole thing is way too big for you. No matter how hard you try, you're not going to get the whole story because I'm the only one who could theoretically tell you. And even if I wanted to, I couldn't. Care to explain that to me? Dale shook his head. No way. Couldn't care less. His face softened and he once again leaned over to me. But there's one thing I'll give you. Just one small truth. And that is that I'm not the bad guy here. I swallowed. So you're not a threat to me and my co-workers? I am. I definitely am. But I'm your blessing as well. He sunk back into his chair. His gaze had grown bleak again. God, my life sucks. He slurred. I suddenly remembered the key in my pocket. I quickly glanced over at the file cabinet leaning against Dale's office wall. While I feel guilty about what I did next, I cannot honestly claim that I regret it. I figured if I could get him to drink some more, just a little more, I might get the one singular chance to try and get into it. Fortune seemed to be on my side this time. My manager turned to me again and asked, You want some? He pointed out his whiskey. I heard they call it firewater. Don't know why, but I think it's because it feels like your mouth is on fire when you drink it. I shrugged. Sure. Dale bent down and rummaged about in his desk drawers for a few seconds before producing an old-looking, slightly dirty glass, which he placed next to his own. He filled up both and handed me the new one. Two, he began, raising his glass but apparently realizing that he wasn't sure what to drink to. Hell, I offered. Dale smirked. Damn right. To hell with it. I feel like I'm already there anyways. With that, he downed his whiskey in one go before immediately refilling his glass. Not wanting to raise suspicion, I did the same. Now there's one thing you should know about me. I'm not much of a drinker. I like beer, but that's already it and I really don't hold my liquor well at all. Already after my first glass of whiskey, I felt my stomach grow uncontrollably warm. After my second glass, I began to feel a bit too amused. 
My sudden giggles seemed to have a contagious effect on my manager as he began to laugh to himself. You know how much I've lost? He asked in between chuckles, and I shook my head. I lost a whole lot. Want to know something really sad? I nodded. A person I love, or at least someone I used to love. He's dying. He's dying and I'm the one who's killing him. I don't want to, you know, but I got to. They make me do it. He let out a wheezing laugh, quickly followed by a train of hysterical sobs. He refilled our glasses for the third time. Who's them? I inquired, noticing the concern that I was slurring myself. Your family? And Dale looked at me in confusion. How'd you... Whatever. Yes, but it ain't just them. I won't tell you. I won't. His voice slowly trailed off. He filled up glasses number four with shaky hands. He swallowed the contents of his glass after I had done the same before looking up at me one last time. Then, his head sank down onto his desk. I had trouble getting up from my chair. I felt really sick all of a sudden. Still, I managed to make my way over to the file cabinet. I had to make use of my chance while Dale was out. It took me a while to insert the key into the lock of the cabinet, but to my surprise and delight, it fit perfectly. Upon opening it and sliding open the drawer, my tired eyes were confronted with folders over folders, neatly lined up behind one another, and what little space they had. I remember spotting one titled, Expenses 2020, another one titled, Earnings 2020, and so on. I decided to try if the other drawer would yield more interesting results, so I bent down and unlocked it. To my surprise, it was completely empty, except for two things, an ancient-looking wood-handled revolver and a black-and-white photograph. I took the latter out of the drawer to inspect it, straining my eyes as I struggled to focus. The picture showed two people in very old-fashioned clothing, a man and a younger woman, or maybe still a girl. They were standing next to each other in front of a gray background, I found hard to determine. I thought I could make out some trees, but I could have been wrong. What instantly struck me as truly odd, however, was that the faces of the man and the girl could not be seen. They were blank. There were no eyes, no mouths, no noses. Just a blank space where all of that should be. Suddenly I felt my stomach starting to turn. I knew I was going to be sick. I dropped the photograph back into the drawer and hurried to lock both it and the upper drawer up again. I quickly tucked away the key in my pocket before dashing out the door of Dale's office. I barely made it over to the trash can next to the bench on the Hollywood Plaza when I couldn't confine the contents of my stomach any longer. I threw up into the trash can once, maybe twice, before I sank down onto the bench beside me. My surroundings grew darker and darker, as my eyes slowly fluttered shut, I barely noticed the low clacking of boots on the pavement approaching, when I felt someone placing their arms under my own and lifting me up. I didn't resist. When they heaved me over their shoulder like a wet sack of sand, I felt the leather of their vest brush uncomfortably against my skin. They carried me away from the bench. I opened my eyes a few times in our way to see the gray street move underneath me. It was dizzying. The color of the pavement soon grew darker, then light and sandy. Finally, I don't know for how long the person had been carrying me, they came to a halt and carefully lifted me off their shoulders. 
I blinked a few times, groaning as I struggled to stay awake. I was so incredibly tired. I found myself sitting on a wooden porch. It looked familiar, and I soon recognized it to belong to the saloon in Twinvale Point, where my co-workers and I had met up two days ago. The man kneeling in front of me, holding my limp body up by the shoulders, was familiar too, although it took me a while to place his features. He looked genuinely concerned. I remember thinking it was a first, seeing as I usually only knew him with a wide grin on his face. I think I said something, but I can't remember what. It was probably just an audible stammering anyways. The cowboy smiled sympathetically, also something I had never seen him do before. He then raised his hand to brush a strand of hair out of my sweaty forehead. His cold, dry-skinned fingers traced down the side of my face and rested on my cheek for a little while. I'm unsure of why I remember this particular action so well, but I do. I stared at him with hooded eyes, trying not to drift off to sleep. I felt like he was trying to comfort me. Suddenly, the silence was broken by the loud voice of a man. I recognized it to be that of Mitchell. Hey, what do you think you're doing? The cowboy jumped to his feet, and I immediately flopped down onto the rough wood below me. I could hear Mitchell run towards us, and felt myself being pulled to my feet. Leia, holy hell, are you all right? I heard my colleague ask me. I tried to respond, but no words left my mouth. Mitchell proceeded to walk me over to his car, and after about five minutes of me trying to tell him my address, he finally understood where I lived and drove me home. After a refreshing nap in Mitchell's car's back seat, and later on on my own couch, I'd finally recovered from the whiskey's influence. All that is left of it now is a nasty, nagging headache. I told Mitchell about my conversation with Dale, and what I had found in the file cabinet, and while we couldn't quite make anything of it, we agreed that things were apparently just continuing to get stranger and stranger. I also told him about the laurel twig, to which he remarked that since the diva had reacted to it in such a weird way, it must be of importance somehow. Still, we can't just go around performing any weird rituals or whatever, he warned me in a low voice to go easy on my headache. Who knows why she destroyed the twig after all. We need to figure this out first, then we decide what to do about it. Dale was certain we wouldn't find out anything, though, I muttered, massaging my temples. At least he said as much. Mitchell grunted. What does he know? He was rolling drunk. Obviously, he didn't make any sense. Also, did he really say he was into guys? I shot him an angry glare. That's what you care about of all the things I just told you? Why? I'm just curious, Mitchell retorted. I sighed. He said something about how a man he loves is dying and that he's the one who's killing him because he's being forced to. Mitchell leaned back against the cushion of my couch, staring at the ceiling in thought. He stayed a bit longer to keep me company. Later that night when my colleague had left, I got a call from Dale himself. He sounded terrible, embarrassed and tired at the same time. Um, hi. I wanted to apologize. I just woke up like half an hour ago and while most of our exchange escapes me, it was probably really unprofessional. If I did anything, well, gross. I want you to know I'm sorry. No worries, I told him. We just had some whiskey together and you whined about your life, but that's all. Oh, he paused. I was meaning to tell you to stop asking me stuff. 
did I do that? Yeah, you did, actually. I won't stop, though. Figured as much. Well, you're not going to get too far anyways, so I'm not too worried. And do as you please. Just stay out of my hair. And there he was. Dale's good old douchey normal self. After advising him politely to see a therapist, I hung up. I was relieved he apparently hadn't noticed that I'd messed with his file cabinet. I spent the rest of the night watching TV, but in the back of my head, I kept thinking about what my manager had told me in his drunken stupor. Then exactly 12 minutes after midnight, I had an idea. It's completely absurd, but if it's true, it might be the most brilliant thought I've ever had. All I know for now, though, is that I need to talk to Nathan again, more than ever.